Hi there, and welcome to the Wet Boys Podcast, Episode 1, Where are the Bulls? Today, we'll be covering a book by Ernest Hemingway called The Sun Also Rises, which is about the human condition, focusing more on the lost generation and their struggles. We're your hosts, Jonathan and Luke. To give a brief overview of the book, a group of friends that are from Paris take a trip to Spain and watch bullfighters. There is a lot of turmoil between them, and secrets among the group, and conflicts arise between them. Wow, really brief. But don't worry, we'll extend more on those topics in a little bit. Before we get too lost in the sauce, though, a little more context is needed for what the lost generation is exactly. Actually, I can take it from here. So the book was written in, in 1926, after World War One. And Hemingway wanted to write about his experiences during his travels through Spain. Along with that, he was a veteran of World War I, and since so, he wanted to incorporate his post-war experience into the book. Veterans of World War I felt like they had no purpose or direction or goal in life. They didn't know what to do and where to go. So they were called the Lost Generation. Do you know what Hemingway did in World War I? What? Oh, well, he was a ambulance driver for the Allied Powers in Italy, but it also got him injured, and for a while he spent uh, time in hospital, and then he got discharged from the military, and that's when he became his or he started his writing career. Um, it's also after this, and I think for Spain's fight for independence, their fight for independence where Hemingway went to Spain as a news reporter and he he uh, traveled throughout Spain and this is what uh, all this culminated into creating this book which is just great, it's awesome it also makes a lot of sense why they're called the lost generation uh, They it seemed like Hemingway was really everywhere in life he didn't really stay in one place. And I think it's also why Jake's injury is constantly me- mentioned throughout the novel. He uh, he portrays both of, both of these experiences that Hemingway is trying to touch up on. The travels through Spain and the post-war experience of being a veteran. It's, uh, it's something that really hits home to Hemingway. Uh, Jake's the main character of the novel, by the way. But there are a couple instances where Jake mentions his injury, like when he's talking to Georgette, the hooker in the beginning, and says, I got hurt in the war. Wait, isn't Jake... the inju- Isn't the injury he got him being impotent? Like, didn't he get shot in the balls or something? Why would he want a hooker? Well, it doesn't say exactly, but or whether or not he got shot in the balls. But, like, we know he's impotent because... When I looked up how Jake was injured, it said that Jake's service as an American soldier in the World War I has left him with an unusual wound. He took a hit to the groin, and his sexual organs were damaged. Oh. What do you think it feels? It would feel like to be in Jake's situation? This uh, sense of, like, losing your masculinity. What do you think, Luke? Well, Jake can tell you himself. In the novel, he said, 
I looked at myself in the mirror, of the big armoire beside the bed, of all the ways to be wounded. I suppose it was funny. I guess it is kind of funny, but it's also sad at the same time. He's grieving the loss of his little buddy. But he's also grieving the loss to have the ability to have an intimate relationship. Or at least be intimate in a relationship uh, with any person that he loves. Because he's impotent. But that does that also doesn't answer the question of why he got a hooker when he's already not able to do anything with that hooker. Well, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't exactly because she was a uh, she was a hooker. But like, since Jake was part of the lost generation, he felt like he didn't have any purpose and just wanted someone to talk to. There's nothing going on between them, uh, Jake and Georgette. Well, just like since there's no sex scenes or whatever, but he's just talking to her and goes out to a cafe with her, just them um, like on a date. But they're not like a intimate in the relationship. Oh, I see. So he's meant to symbolize this uh, lost generation because in this example, he's just everywhere. He's doing stuff with a person that really doesn't even care for him and is just there because she she's paid to be there which ends up being very sad and it shows the loneliness that this lost generation has because they're paying other people to just hang out with them and they're not able to do stuff together but i guess uh i guess that's a real tragedy Wait, but who's the person that you mentioned earlier who Jake's lo- Jake loves a whole lot and that he wishes he had a relationship with? Oh yeah, that person. That's Brett. She's the love of Jake's life, yet him and Brett can never be together because Brett has put such a high importance on sex in the relationship and she knows that Jake can't give it to her, so she doesn't want to be with Jake even though she loves him back. That's tragic. Yeah, it's very tragic, and it's it really shows you parts of the human condition because it's re- it's really excluding your true feelings for a sense of, I guess you could say, euphoria in the moment, and she's not looking at the future. She's only looking to pleasure herself, which is really sad, too, because she constantly comes back to Jake, even though she doesn't care for him like that because he can't give her sex. But I guess that's the entire tragedy of being in the lost generation. Everything turns out to be tragic because of the war that affected them. Yeah, that too. Jake didn't feel like he got a whole lot out of the war either, because besides getting shot in the balls, after, cause after he was talking to the hooker about his injury, he was thinking to himself, like, we would probably have been gone on and discussed the war and agreed that it was... In reality, a calamity for civilization. It perhaps would have been better avoided. Yeah, I feel like Jake is definitely anti-World War One, especially because of the circumstances that he went through. He fought in this war to protect other people, and yet he came out losing. He came out impotent. He lost his masculinity. And it made him feel worse than everyone. Like, in the book, he constantly refers to Robert Cohn as being like this 
he 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 describes him as this masculine figure. He's into boxing. He can. He's big. He's strong. But yet he always tries to emasculate him in order to to retrieve a sense of masculinity back to himself and say that he's better than these other men, even though he's he's impotent and they aren't. So, do you think that the main reason why Jake ended up disliking the war is because he became impotent and lost the possibility of a relationship with Brent? Yeah, I would say that is why he doesn't like the war. He also said that the war basically took away a uh, part of the world and most of the lives of the lost generation. I also feel that he personally believes that the war took away a part of his life through... Uh, Let's say disfiguring him. But you want to know what's also tragic? What? The fact that the love of Jake's life, Brett, she uses every man that she finds for her own personal needs. And somehow, all of those guys always end up falling for her. Like Robert Cohn, Romero the Bullfighter, Jake himself, Mike, the Count. A bunch of other guys, they all want to be exclusive with her, but they never can be. She's always hopping from one man to the next, just looking to pleasure pleasure herself, which ends up creating all these conflicts in the group. Like, wait, 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 wait. So it's it's just uh, it's just a girl and a bunch of guys are just fighting over her. Yeah, it's crazy. That's and crazy. And they all they all know about each other, like. Cone splits from his own fiance. He feels like he's not living life. He meets Brett and then he just he completely disregards his own uh, life in order to try something that he can never have. Along with that, Cone also beats up Mike and Jake over Brett just because Jake in an attempt to give Brett what he can't give her sets her up with Romero the the bullfighter and Cone beats him up over this because he believes that he is supposed to be with Brett and that Brett is his and this also leads him up to beating the bullfighter himself Romero because he feel he felt that Brett was being taken away from him by this bullfighter and it led to the quote he nearly killed the poor bloody bullfighter then Cone wanted to take Brett away Wanted to make an honest woman out of her, I imagine. Damn touching scene. It shows that Cone really cared for this, but it also creates turmoil inside of the group because he's going around beating people up for no apparent reason just because he felt like he was entitled to this woman. Like the book also says, I'll make you tell me. He stepped forward. You damn pimp. And then Jake swung at him and he ducked. I saw his face duck sideways in the light. He hit me. I sat down on the pavement. As I started to get on my feet, he hit me twice. I went back downward under or backward under a table. I tried to get up and I felt I did not have any legs. I felt as I must get on my feet and try and hit him. Mike helped me up. Someone poured a carafe of water on my head. Mike had an arm around me and I found I was sitting in a chair. Mike was pulling at my ears. I say you were cold, Mike said. Where the hell were you? Oh, I was around. You didn't want to mix in? He knocked me down. He knocked Mike down too, Edna said. It shows all this turmoil being created in the group for no apparent reason other than 
Brett using all these men in order to pleasure herself. Damn, that is tragic. There's a whole fight scene, and then they're just legit, legitimately throwing punches at each other for a girl, Brett, who just plays them all. Yeah, it's crazy because I don't know. These grown men apparently have never been in a schoolyard. It's just something you don't do. You get in trouble for it. And they're learning the repercussions of their actions. Like they're losing their friendships with each other. And that's all that this ends up being. Oh, that's crazy. You know what's also tragic? Yeah, what else is tragic? Cone. Robert Cone himself. For the audience, uh, Robert Cone is Jake's friend who was really restricted by his fiance at the beginning of the book. Uh, like, she didn't let, me, let, let him meet any other woman. And then, but when he went to, uh, traveled to America for work, uh, he met more women and more lively, outgoing people, like, at parties and stuff. So, like, when he comes back to Paris, he talks to Jake about how he isn't living his life to the fullest, which is so sad. Because, like, he really wants to travel the world, especially to South America. But Jake says something to him to, uh, that hurts him hard. Jake says, listen, Robert, going to another country doesn't make any difference. I've tried all that. You can't get away from yourself by moving from one place to another. There's nothing to that. And then Cohen responds, but if you've never been to South America, and then I'm going to keep alternating between the quotes, South America hell. If you went there the way you feel now, it would be exactly the same. This is a good town. Why don't you start living your life in Paris? I'm sick of Paris, and I'm sick of the quarter. Stay away from the quarter. Cruise around by yourself and see what happens to you. Nothing happens to me. I walked alone all one night, and nothing happened except a bicycle cop stopped me and asked me to see my papers. So in this scene, he's basically, uh, Cohn really explains that he's really just bored of Paris, of the place uh, itself. He just wants to travel the world. It's almost as if he has a fear of missing out. I mean, I guess I would have a fear of missing out too if I was in the same situation as Cone. If I was being heavily restricted by my fiancé, I would probably want to get out of there. But at the same time, this sense of fulfillment that he gets from the parties and the the high extreme life, he's not going to find that everywhere he goes. Like, uh... For example, if he goes to South America, what is he going to do? He's an English-speaking man. He doesn't even know the language, which is why he invites Jake. It'll end up not not uh, exactly going the way he wants. However, at the same time, I'd like to travel the world too. Like where? Well... Uh, I'd like to travel everywhere. It's I find all the different cultures and the places around the world to be super interesting. Like you could go to one place in the world and it'll be the polar opposite of what you'd find in another place. Do you think that's like uh, one of the reasons Cone wants to go to South America so badly? Because like uh, South America and Paris are like two different hemispheres. Is that like the culture and stuff? Is that what... what uh, he feels like he's missing out on? I personally don't think that. Uh, like I said earlier, I think that Cone really just wants to escape his... Uh, he wants to escape the life he already has. He 
doesn't want to be in Paris anymore because he feels like it's restricting him. It's reminding him of the life he's living currently where he can't really do anything. So he feels like moving to a different continent will will give him that. But in reality, it won't. It might make things even worse. He'd feel more isolated. He wouldn't have friends to be there and have his back like Jake does. And in the end, it'd be worse for him. He'd really just be struggling. So what you are basically saying is that it's not about what he wants from South America. Like, there isn't anything that gravitates to come to South America. But instead, he just wants to escape from Paris. Yeah, I feel like it is more of an escape from Paris. But I feel like there's also, like, reasons. I feel like he... I feel like it's a mixture of being an escape from Paris and him looking at it as a vacation because when he's talking to Jake about it, he's just me- constantly mentioning, I'd like to vacation to this place. You want a vacation to South America with me? Like, you can go vacation with the beautiful women. But in reality, I don't think it'd benefit him at all. He'd end up just missing his old life, missing the life he left behind for something that wasn't as good as he expected it to be and it'll make him feel worse and more lonely uh, is there anywhere you'd like to go in the world Luke uh, I'd probably want to go like Australia and Alaska places with like a lot of nature but at the same time I don't think I have like the willpower to go because I'm just not I don't have like a this is like I'm not seeking to travel anywhere I don't have the desire but I don't want to go like I don't want to go as bad as Cone wants to go to South America because like I, I like staying in California since all my friends and family are here but, like I'm not sick of it I'm not like sick of California like Cone uh, sick of Paris so I guess I don't relate to him that much I don't want the escape but more of like an exploration yeah, I completely understand that. And I also think part of the reason that Cone wants to leave is to escape from his family. So it, it kind of benefits him in a way. Uh, but I don't relate to him either. It's it's such a terrible thing to, instead of asking for help from your friends and your families, you want to just move away from them and completely ignore them. It's probably also because he's like in his mid-30s and already has like so many life experiences because he's like he's already graduated from Yale he's like a boxing champion and stuff uh so you think it's like a midlife crisis sort of thing possibly yeah because uh up until he went to America it felt like he didn't really have any like I would say experiences because at the start of the book he's like uh at the start of the book, Jake is trying to like make sure all these stories Cone has been telling him are correct, and it takes him so long just to verify that he actually boxed at Yale and that he was actually a good boxer. So it, it seemed like he wasn't really that out there, and he didn't really have that many experiences. It felt like he was sheltered. Uh, so he still wants more because he felt like his life... Uh didn't didn't have that much meaning yet like like he didn't fulfill his purpose in life so it's, i guess yeah i guess it is a midlife crisis yeah but in the end some people want more and the more is never enough and they'll just keep on trying to get more and more and this is what i feel that cone has achieved it's it's what he wants and i think it's what he got when he went to spain 
but which inevitably crashed down on him when the love interest he had in Brett uh, just failed and he almost lost all his friends in the process of that love interest failing. So, Luke, what's the ending of the book like? After all the conflicts are resolved between them and they return to Paris, everyone goes their separate ways. But in the very end, Jake and Brett have a heartfelt conversation. They both agree that they would have been a good couple together. And that goes to show the loneliness that everyone had and that even though they have these feelings towards each other, they just can't be together because of the human condition but in the end it was a really good book and it was a pleasure to read a lot of a lot of emotions that are really felt on the in this book what did you think luke the side also rises had a lot of tragic moments that reflected on hemingway's life experiences but it was an enjoyable read because it had a sprinkle of dry humor along the way (laughs) 